Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi. This is Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. We've learned many different things what we can do to help our health. And today, we have James Lavelle, who will help us further in this. But let me tell you a little bit about him. James Lavelle is a nationally recognized clinical pharmacist. He's board certified as a clinical nutritionist as well. He's the founder of the Metabolic Code Enterprises. He founded and practices at the Progressive Medical Center in Orange County. Dr. Lavelle has 27 years of expertise in natural therapeutic applications and drug nutrient depletion issues. He's uncovering the underlying metabolic issues that keep people from feeling healthy and vital. He is the author of 16 e-books and 20 books. He was named one of the 50 most influential pharmacists by the American Druggist magazine and was one of only nine Americans selected to participate in the inaugural Dietary Supplement Education Alliance and Dietary Supplement Information Bureau. Dr. Lavelle is a favorite interviewee for the media uh, concerning natural care. He's done over 500 media appearances on TV and radio. Dr. Lavelle was point, appointed Metabolic Medicine Institute Committee Chairperson in 2014. He's also so affiliated with the George Washington University and is a course director in systems biology and clinical lecturer. He's currently co-chairman of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, that's known as A4M, advisory board, as well as an instructor in the Fellowship for Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine Fellowship. So, welcome, Dr. Lavelle. Man, you wore me out. I'm starting to feel tired now. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Everything you listed, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you know something to naturally uh, get your energy back, don't you? (laughs) <laughs> That's absolutely true. So I, what would I, you do? Uh, it, it's easy. Love what you do. I, I absolutely oh. love what I do. It really helps. I think love can be the strongest healing force. Perhaps that can be very important in our healing in general. That's right. Is there such a connection that you know of? Well, of course. I mean, think of think of the the uh, everything from empathy and love have been studied. Uh, and gratitude have been studied to show an improvement in healing. So, of course, I mean, that's a very important aspect to it. Oh, I, I believe that firmly, that our spiritual self, when we're resonating in the right direction, will help our health go the right direction. At least I hope so. Uh, me too. <laughs> well, let's get to your uh, expertise in medicine. So what is metabolism? Well, the way I like to, to explain metabolism is that it's the sum total of all of the biochemical reactions that are going on in your body right now that make you feel the way you feel today and are going to lead you to your health tomorrow. And really, that metabolism, that, that, that way that your body is functioning right now is dependent upon everything that's happened to you from the time you were in your mother's womb. So when we hear that, you think, oh, that's kind of weird. But really, that's what epigenetics are all about. So really, from the time you were gestated to today, creates kind of your story of your metabolism. Are you inflamed? Are you burning fat efficiently? Do you have clarity of thought? Are you making enough neurotransmitters? The old definition or thought of metabolism was that, wait, how much are you burning? You know, how much, you know, how much fat do you burn, right? What's your resting metabolic rate? And it really, when we look at systems biology now, we realize that there are a lot of things going on in someone's metabolism that affects how they feel and where they're going to land with their future health, which is what I'm really interested in. Sounds very complicated. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. When you think about it, um, so a person could have uh, a blood sugar of, say, 97. And a 97 blood sugar would be called normal, but at the same point, they um, would have about 
a 72% chance of being a diabetic in the next decade. So even though their lab, when they walk into the doc, is still normal, it's trending away from normal and leading down a path. Now, that same person with a 97 blood sugar, another person could have a 97 blood sugar, but if their kidney function's compromised, if their lipids look bad, if they're storing fat in their, in their liver, um, if their blood pressure is elevated, they look like they're farther along because they have a combination of biochemical things going on in their body that's leading them through their condition. So they're farther along in their pre-diabetes than that person that just had a, a, the same 97 blood sugar but didn't have any of those other problems. And that's kind of the message that I try to teach when I'm out talking with docs and other healthcare providers is understanding the person's uh, chemistry as a global phenomenon, like where are the stressors in this person's chemistry, and then where is it not so stressful? Uh, it sounds like you were quoting the Kaiser study. For each point, your fasting blood sugar is above 84. You've got a 6% increased risk for diabetes, yeah. which implies that we can be very, very sick before we walk into the doctor and he finally says, oh, you've... You've got the T-shirt, you've got the jacket, you've got the prize, you're now a diabetic. We could be uh, getting very sick and uh, have a lot of the sequelae of diabetes long before the doctor figures it out. And that was, I mean, that was really the essence of what I thought of the Kaiser study, was that they said 10 years before you're a diabetic, the comorbidities and complications can start to arise. And then you, you, get, you, you get anointed. All right, you're finally diabetic. Yeah, you were prehypertensive, and yes, you were overweight, and now you're obese, and yes, you're arthritic, and yes, your memory isn't what it used to be, and oh boy, your liver functions off a little. But you know what? We still can't put that label on you yet. And, what, and, and really, I think what, in, in today's world, what we're looking for is a better lens to peer through how far we're away from being well. It's easy. You know, you, you know you, you, you've been through medical school. You, you, you know, when people's <laughs> numbers go over the, the recommended number, there's a diagnosis label to it. That's that. pretty yes. easy. Right? The problem we is that. we got a bunch Very of Very binary. Yeah, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of people that are out here right now in America that are preclinical but, but rapidly moving towards an illness or a diagnosis. And so how do we start to characterize them? And I think that's what's important about looking at a, a person's labs in a more global phenomena. Yeah, because you can be pre-diabetic and the doctor tells you you're normal and you've got four times the risk of cardiovascular disease, a couple times the risk of dementia, and we don't even know it. Yeah, and a heightened risk for cancer. Absolutely. So what is the metabolic code? Is that a way to try to put some of these pieces together? Yeah, I mean, the metabolic code was just, I mean, it's been my passion. You know, I, I guess I would call it my opus. I mean, I, <laughs> because I, you know, I started really trying to characterize these metabolic shifts in people. And then it's one thing to see metabolic shifts in people. It's another thing to be able to explain it to a patient, right? Because a lot of times what happens in, in kind of our field of, you know, integrative care is, you know, you get a bunch of tests run, you lay them down in front of someone, and you're writing notes next to these lab values, and you're telling them about things that maybe they've ever heard of before. You know, oh, your kenurinic acid is elevated, and that means you don't have, you know, you've got infl- inflammation markers in your body. The consumer doesn't understand that. So what the metabolic code was was an attempt to take a lot of information. So, you know, a questionnaire that would be about 170 questions based on whether you were a man or a woman, uh, and then it would take into account your biometrics, heart rate, blood pressure, body weight, height, pH, which is novel, right? Making sure we're getting all those things in there. Um, and then it adds uh, a very extensive list of labs, labs that are by, by many standards traditional labs, but, you know, LDL particle size, um, you know, uh, homocysteine and C-reactive protein and insulin and glucose and, you know, you know, all the standard things that get measured and then maybe some advanced lab markers that are all accepted in healthcare. 
Uh, and then it blends and amalgamates all that data, what we call threading and stacking the data. So just like that diabetic I just explained to you, it's one thing if you have a, a 97 blood sugar, but if you have a 97 blood sugar and your kidney function's failing, say your GFR is 65, and then your endothelium, your GGT, the marker for how your inner lining of your arteries are doing, is elevated. Now, all of a sudden, I'm stacking that data up to get to where's the critical point I need to start at in order to start to get a person to feel better. And so what the metabolic code does is it breaks it down into five categories. Um, there's, and they're called triads or buckets. You know, so the bucket one is uh, thyroid, adrenal, pancreas, the relationship between stress, blood sugar, and metabolism. And when you're and, and for a consumer, they can understand this is how you make energy. So you know if this if that's imbalanced, if your thyroid, adrenal, and and pancreas are imbalanced, meaning your lab values are good, most likely you have energy. You're probably not gaining weight. And if they're out of balance, you're feeling fatigued and most likely gaining weight. Um, and so we tried through these five triads so that when you when you get all the labs. All the questionnaires, they bucket into these five triads, and it's all color-coded so that, once again, when the consumer is looking at a report, they go, wow, my blue triad or blue bucket is lit up really hot. So the second triad is gut immune brain. And all these triads are also things that are commonly recognized in, in medicine, right? So gut immune brain has been written about a lot. Everybody recognizes that there's issues around that. Um, the third one is cardiopulmonary neurovascular, which is, you know, kind of our heart, our pump system, and our vascular network and how we oxygenate. And the fourth is detoxification, liver, lymph, kidney. And the fifth would be sex hormones. And, and so the metabolic code really attempts to take a very complex problem, what I call multivariant analysis, and through about 40,000 decisions and, and logistics, um, it comes to where is your biggest problem to work on first? Because one of the biggest issues, I think, is that people try to work on too much and they don't have a starting point. And if you don't have a starting point that's organized, um, you kind of don't know where the next step you need to take is. So that was the, and, you know, so that was the real backdrop of developing this platform. And it's, and it's interesting because, you know, it's a 45-page report. It explains everything to the individual. Um, and it really helps the practitioner simplify trying to talk about lifestyle to the patient. Like, hey, your energy center's off. You know, your you know, gut immune brain is kind of your resiliency. You know, how are you reacting to foods? Are you feeling sluggish? Is your you know, are you, is your memory compromised? Gut immune brain, your resiliency. Um, so we try to really create a language that makes it easy, instead of kind of what I think traditionally is a lot of lab discussion. That you know, that a lot of times you know the patient ends up saying, you know what, I don't understand half of this. They're shaking their head yes, but they don't know what you mean. This is exciting because it helps us clinicians, too, of putting it all together. And when I heard your lectures on these topics, I just found it so exciting. The, it made a lot of sense. Uh, it was quite exciting and, you know, good for the clinicians and for the patient. Yeah, because we still keep the clinician in, in the middle of it. The clinician, like, we make product suggestions for the clinician of what they can do, but the clinician decides everything. You know, the, the clinician goes, you know, I want to use, you know, I want to use, you know, this type of bergamot extract, not that, or I want to start here. You know, I want to start with cardiopulmonary because the person's got high lipids and their blood pressure's high. I want to start there. It, it, it only acts as a tool to serve healthcare providers. It's not meant to be, a, you know, a dogmatic tool, but yet a tool that helps guide decision-making and, and actually brings to light a lot of information that sometimes you know, at least I know when I used to order labs, and I'd be looking through questionnaires and I'd be trying to put all this stuff together. I could be working for an hour and a half on a case before they even came into their, to, to their appointment. And so this really helps to kind of strengthen that relationship. And the other thing is, is you, can, you hand this to the patient when they leave and they've got something they can show their spouse or their significant other um, 
or their f- friends and family and they're and, and, and at work, which I think is the other thing that has been missing is, you know, people come a lot, you know, you come into a, you know, a lot of integrative practices and they leave with a big bag of pills and a one-sheet diet plan and they go home to try to explain it to their spouse or their significant other and they, they can't explain it. They don't know why, they don't know why, what it's for, or what's really going on with them. And those are the things that I think need to happen is if we're going to really make, uh, I mean, healthcare become really proactive, we need to be able to explain things in a way that people can understand. And how exciting this is and 10-minute appointments and the pressure uh, and the high expenses that very quickly we can come up with a program rather than you spending that hour and a half before the patient comes in. Sounds exciting. Well, yeah, that was the whole purpose of it because after doing about 50,000 patients in my life, I, I realized that there was a need for this streamlining. And it really works whether you're looking at advanced cases or, or you're just starting out. I mean, it, you know, metabolism that gets disrupted is a metabolism that gets disrupted. So the, the values are there. And, and uh, it's interesting because it starts to segregate out. What happens is is that you know, the areas or the triads that get disturbed the most from the, you know, from the way you feel. Because, you know, it's interesting. You know, doctors get excited about numbers. People get excited about the way they feel. <laughs> you know, yeah. you say, if I tell somebody your lipids are better, they look at me most of the time and go, oh, okay. But if, if they come in and say, hey, I'm not gassy anymore. I have energy midday. I'm sleeping like I haven't slept in years. You know, I'm more focused. I'm in a better mood. Which one, which one do people like? I like my lipids people, going down. Yeah, people, you know, people aren't, people don't get, you know, people aren't excited until we can actually help them to feel better. And when they start to feel better, at least in my experience, when I get somebody to start to feel better, now they want to listen to other things I have to offer them. But my focus has got to be, uh, where do I start to get them to feel better? You know, I like start it, where that they was, are. That was yeah. the other purpose. Okay. I, well, I, you've designed program, a health program for over a million people, so you certainly have been very active in this area. So what are the elements of your program for a health program for many people? Well, I mean, first of all, we, we, we have to have people, you know, learn how to eat. So we're big on getting people to, you know, eat more plants, uh, try to figure out what foods they're sensitive to. Uh, but we don't test for food sensitivities right away. We put them on an elimination diet. And, and uh, so food is really important in uh, our program. Um, we like people to move. We want them to exercise and move, but we'll allow them to choose what they can move, and that can be assigned to them, or they can, you know, self-report on what they're doing in terms of their movement. Uh, and for people that can't move, we just have to figure out how they can move a little better. Uh, and uh, and then there's the key areas of understanding, you know, what are the right uh, nutrients. I'm assuming that you know, healthcare providers will be able to figure out what drug they want to use. But for our purposes, the report is saying, what are the right nutrients that this person needs? So, you know, you, you hear about the whole quantified self movement and the quantified self movement. It's interesting. Okay. I know what my heart rate is. I know what my pulse is. I know, you know, I know how I'm sleeping, but it's really more about quantified health. What are the numbers that I have in my labs, what what is it about my sleep? What is it about the food habits I have that create how I feel? And then what am I going to do about it? And so that's what we really, the elements of what we have are, are truly, what are the right nutrients targeted for you? So fully personalized for your chemistry. Then what's, what kind of diet do I need? Uh, am I exercising or not? And then, obviously, we like to teach people, you know, we're big on getting people to breathe because, you know, people don't stop and, uh, you know, do a little bit of mind-body medicine, do a little bit of deep breathing, down-regulate down some of that excitatory stress in their body. And so that's kind of the elements of what you can get out of our uh you know, our platform, because, you know, we're much more than a report. Um, we're a platform. We, you know, we, you know, 
give people sample recipes and we get get information out to them. We track them, uh, and and we're really wanting to be a you know a relevant part of their life. And and so you get to report, and you obviously you get where your triads are disturbed. It shows where all the labs are. And whether they're trending out of line or they're fully out of line or they're optimum, and we color code those as red, yellow, green, right? Green is good, yellow is trending in the wrong direction, and red is bad. And and so that's the other thing we've done is we've worked really hard at creating those types of relationships where people can visually start to connect to things. Um, and, and then it lists, as I said, it lists all the labs and shows whether you're in red, yellow, green and for that lab value. Uh, and then it also... Uh, ends up giving people, here are the things that would be best for you, and then this is what the doctor can decide. Yes, I want to give them. No, I don't. Um, it also starts to list out what each lab value that was out of uh, sync. So any of the lab values that were either in yellow or red, we give an explanation of. Because so many times people don't really understand what a CRP is. Or, well, that's uh, a measure of inflammation. See, for our audience, CRP and homocysteine, uh, most of my doctors don't measure those, but those are measures for inflammation, which is a very important contribu- contribution to disease processes. Yeah, so they, so typically any of the lab values that people typically don't understand, now all of a sudden you've got a nice handout there. It's explaining it in consumerese. And then the last thing that happens is we give handouts on all the networks, so meaning we explain what is leaky gut. We explain, you know, here, here's a snapshot of your immune system. Here's understanding the stress response. So the areas that you light up the most, you get a handout on that you can read up on and begin your journey to really understanding your health. And so that's really, you know, what you get when you do the metabolic code platform uh, and you do the report. It, it, it's really a very comprehensive evaluation tool that starts you down your journey towards starting to become well again. Well, let's address the consumers that might have the misfortune of not being having access to this. So you mentioned uh, for their diet to start with elimination diet. What is that? So the big thing is is that it's like an elimination diet anybody can do. You try to take the the biggest known food allergens out. So, you know, right now it's really popular um, for people to take out gluten out of their diet. Um, and, and I have to say that there's a lot of people that get well from that. They feel way better on it. So... So gluten, dairy, soy um, are, are biggies, and, but the two biggest ones, and corn, uh, we don't always eliminate eggs, but sometimes people already know that eggs are a problem. But what we're trying to do is, uh, is eliminate the most common foods that tend to create inflammation in the body, and then we try to create a, uh, you know, the opportunity for people to explore things like eating more vegetables. Uh, eating leaner meats. And, you know, for the most part, people just don't, and, and this is, in, in, this could be uh, independent of socioeconomic ability. There's people I know that don't, they just don't want to eat a vegetable. I'm not going to eat that. I mean, I'm, I can't stand vegetables. Well, if your pH is acidic, Meaning if you test your acidity in your body and you're very acidic and it's because you're not eating any anything to make your body be more balanced, well, expect that you'll have inflammation, oxidative stress, and vascular damage in your future. So getting people to um, just eat smarter, super important. And uh, it's a big task. I mean, our, our dietitians do a good job to try to explain things to people. Well, let me summarize, because uh, we're coming toward a break, is that the elimination diet, if you take out some of the main culprits uh, and you keep them out of your diet, you see how you're doing. And then after a month or two, you might add one in at a time and see and measure right. how you feel to get a feeling for what food. That's a measure of food sensitivity without going to a lab or sending, getting blood drawn or getting pinpricks or whatever. And then right. I understand you add the of foods in like you wait about four days and as Dave Asprey was mentioning you can have all sorts of symptoms it could be stomach upset or diarrhea two days later 
So that's what the elimination diet is, and most nutritionists will start the patients with that to fine-tune the diet to their body because any food that is not compatible with your uh, body uh, can set off inflammation, can set off a whole immune reaction, as many speakers have said, which sets us down the train toward just about every disease imaginable. We're coming to a break now, and we will be right back with more. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, this is Dr. Susan back for, with Occupy Health with Dr. James Lavelle, who's got so much wisdom. I hope we can tap a lot more of it in the next session here. Um, in addition to working in a program to deal with the health of a million people, you also worked with a lot of athletes, and you learned some things that ex- excess exercise is almost as bad as too little exercise. Intensive people who exercise, the population so surprised. Why are they dying? They're exercising every minute. But as I recall, you were saying they have increased oxidative stress, and they're in the same shape as people who don't exercise? That's exactly right. And when I, when I look at symptoms of people and also look at their labs, the person that ex- over-exercises may be skinnier, but the net effect on their metabolism is the same. As I, as I sit and watch somebody who's very sedentary or has metabolic syndrome or prediabetes and prehypertension. And, I mean, I've, I've got great examples of this that walk in every day and, and, you know, work a lot in the athlete space. I'm, you know, doing a program with the NFL Hall of Fame at their new Hall of Fame village they're building. Um, I've you know, worked a lot with NHL folks. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes. And so you go, well, yeah, but they're professional athletes. Let me tell you the difference. The every, everyday person that gets out there on pounds, they're working an 8- or 10-hour job and have the stresses of working a daily job. And then they go and decide to train really hard. So when you overtrain, um, and I see this all the time. I mean, I had a lady in here today that went to Orange Theory twice a day. And, you know, she was starting to get arrhythmias and palpitations because her resting heart rate was too high. She was overworking. And so it, there's no doubt there is a sweet spot, and you have to know your heart rate. You need to watch your blood pressure. You need to watch your labs. If you're somebody that's going out and training five and six days a week, more than an hour at a time, uh, you're, you're, or, or if it's high-intensity training, you really have to watch for this because, uh, you know, you know, people that used to just kind of, hey, you, you maybe go take a walk, now people are doing tough mutters and they're going to CrossFit and they're working out as if they were professional athletes, but they got a daytime job. You know, a professional athlete might work out an hour or two and then go and get a massage, go get some acupuncture, go get some good food. The food's prepared for them. Um, it's, it's actually, other than the actual event when they're playing, which, of course, is very stressful, it's not as stressful. So it, it's a very interesting phenomenon that I'm seeing that we're trying to design harder and harder uh, workouts for people to kind of get the adrenaline rush. And when they get that adrenaline rush and they create that excessive cortisol, over time that high cortisol causes insulin resistance, blood pressure to go up, 
lowering of growth hormone, you know, bone loss. So all these things start to occur, and that's called overtraining. Well, cortisol is a culprit in uh, brain deterioration, uh, hippocampal deterioration, which is where our memory uh, starts and is one of the instrumental thing in Alzheimer's disease. That's where the memory deterioration starts. So cortisol is a huge factor in our health. Oh, it's, it's I think, one of the primary things that is affecting people today. Because when you look at it, uh, you look at the prevalence of metabolic syndrome, the prevalence of hypertension, the, uh, the prevalence of osteopenia, how much people are losing um, muscle, sarcopenia, the loss of muscle. All of those things are tied into elevated cortisol. And, of course, memory and you know, you know, elevated cortisol is tied into all kinds of issues uh, related to memory and immune function. So when people train hard, they need to realize that they're amping up their cortisol. And when you amp up your cortisol, one of the tricks is is that if your heart rate goes up really high, you also end up sending out a signal to slow your thyroid down because it's a, it's a protective mechanism. And the, the issue becomes if you keep training like that over and over every day, real high heart rate training, you eventually train your thyroid to become sluggish. Wow. And people see that. Um, all, you know, you know, and so it's something you have to watch for, uh, you know, especially if you're somebody who loves to train, get off of a hard day's work, go in there and kill it in the gym or go out and bike or do whatever it is you're doing. You just, you just need balance with it. I also heard you say that, you know, it was some conversation that, you know, we had, you know, we're eating garbage in the fifties. We're eating ding dongs and dinky doodles and wonder bread and, uh, <laughs> We tended to be okay in our health, but now we're not eating as many of those things, at least some of us, and our health is deteriorating. And one of the things, I mean, one can posit oh, glyphosate and electromagnetic fields, but I think one of the things you thought contributed was the stress and the high, and stress engenders cortisol and all the demands on us. I think I think it, I think it's yes to all of it because I think when you think of life 50 years ago versus now I think it was less stressful. I mean you think of what the the, the there obviously there's great positive impacts to kind of the modern communication era. And if anybody thinks they can get away from EMFs, they're they're crazy, right? I mean, just walk outside and look at all the cable networks or all the all the, the Wi-Fi networks you're hooked up to in a moment's notice, right? With your phone, you're pretty much getting bombarded all the time. So unless we dip ourselves in latex, um, we're you know, we, we're, and, and ground ourselves with copper shoes, we're pretty much in trouble. Uh, so, and, and that's if we don't have a latex allergy, right? So, so yeah, yeah. So the point being is. I think that in general, um, it isn't food isn't the problem. We're the problem. Our immune systems are getting so many mixed signals, everything from electromagnetic fields to uh, the various types of pesticides that are out there on our foods to the fact that we're very stressed out to the fact that we've been over-medicated. I mean, let's face it, how many people, well, you know, at least in my generation, you know, we have five, six rounds of antibiotics a year. And today, everybody's on proton pump inhibitors, or they're on oh my NSAIDs, gosh. right? Yeah, and, that's going to ruin your gut big time. I mean, if you don't have hydrochloric acid, you're not going to have pancreatic enzymes. Your upper flap won't be closing because you don't have the pepsin. Bile won't be working. Uh, your right. gut will be putrid, and you'll leaky gut, and on your way to every autoimmune disease possible. That's where the exactly. proton pump inhibitors exactly. send us, isn't it? So that's and the statins, why I think don't that, they deplete yeah. CoQ10 and certain vitamins, vitamin E? I mean, oh, deplete CoQ10 yeah. and your mitochondria energy centers aren't pumping out the ATP, and we're all going to get tired and our muscles are going to get sore and on our way to diabetes. Which is what's happening. <laughs> so, I mean, that is what's happening, right? One in two people currently are either pre-diabetic or diabetic. You know, you got you've got one in three people who are hypertensive over, over over as adults in America, and, and one in two over the age of fifty five. Um, we're we're minerally depleted, so we don't have any magnesium in our bodies. That's it's been well documented. The government tells us we're not getting magnesium adequacy. Uh, there's other nutrients that we that we lose via drug therapy, like you mentioned, CoQ10, vitamin B6, B12, vitamin C. 
a lot of different, uh, when you look at proton pump inhibitors, you know, protein, B12, magnesium, vitamin D. Uh, so, you know, the, the challenge becomes, um, I, I don't like to scare people. I like people to be proactive. So it's like stop the madness, learn how to eat better. You learn how to manage your stress because, you know what, life's probably going to be stressful. I have to drive on Southern California highways. Oh, it's my gosh. Be stressful. Right? So, I mean, I, you, you got to realize that um, how do I manage? How do I become the, uh, the captain of my destiny of my health? And that means being more responsible about food and at the same time, I don't get, I don't like to teach paranoia about food to people. So, you know, here's how you eat healthy, you know, but then how do you get a good night's sleep? There's big key things that if people um, can start to, you know, do, they can have amazing changes in their health. I'd also like to get back to this over-medication theme because, for example, birth control pills, I understand, deplete B6, which uh, is needed to make serotonin. And without serotonin, like about 19 to 56% of the people on birth control pills can have a tendency to get depressed. On um, his antihistamines, uh, you can, uh, in uh, Pepsid, Tagamet, Zantax, you can deplete folic acid, B vitamins, calcium, iron, zinc, vitamin D. So these, these pills that we're taking, we should uh, look at it in the whole picture, sup, uh, take them when we need them, supplement with various vitamins, but it's not something to be taken lightly. Well, not at all. I mean, there's an increased risk of birth defects on using anti-seizure medications. There's an increased birth, uh, risk Absolutely. of birth defects off of oral contraceptives. That's why they say wait six months uh, before getting pregnant if you've been on oral contraceptives because of the folate deficiency. And so this, these are very real um, issues. And for example, on the serotonin piece, everybody thinks, well, I'll just take a multivitamin. In the studies where they showed that they reversed the symptoms of depression and mood disorder, they needed to give 100 milligrams of B6 to counter the effects of the drug. So when you go and take a one a day that has a B vitamin in it, it's got three milligrams of B6. It's not enough. That's why it's really important to, to kind of look at what drugs I'm on, what nutrients are being depleted, and then replete those in a, in a way that you get enough back based on what you're taking. Because the oral contraceptive piece, it's, it's such a big, big deal. I mean, you know, a year later, you're on oral contraceptives, and a year later, you come up depressed. Nobody's thinking it's due to the oral contraceptive. When, in fact, it could very well be due to the depletion of B6, B12, and folic acid and your inability to make serotonin. Well, you also have a very interesting vignette about what you observe as a pharmacist. Someone comes in on Lipitor, ends up with insulin resistance. They're on metformin, increased blood pressure. They're on an ACE inhibitor or hydrochlorothiazine. Low, they get low magnesium and erythiones. They get beta blockers, and then they get low CoQ10. Then they're on antidepressants, and then they get ibuprofen for pain and corticosteroids. You've observed this over many years, haven't you? Well, I think I've observed it, and when I talk about it, every doctor in the room shakes their head and goes, my God, that's exactly what happens. You know, so people get put on a, a drug path, and it's interesting. And this, this is an interesting study, but I was looking at um, some pH data, and what they found was that even after they gave meds for blood sugar, meds for lipids, and meds for blood pressure... If they did not correct for pH, urinary pH, which is a big marker for oxidative damage in the endothelium, if the pH was low, the progression of renovascular disease and complications of metabolic syndrome continued to take place. So, and that tells you that how minerally depleted people are because pH is highly dependent on things like potassium and magnesium and eating plant foods. And, and so it, it's really important to, to understand that, you know, you can take the best drugs, but if you're not treating your body right, if you're not getting a better selection of quality food, if you're not understanding the depletions that are taking place, those depletions will lead you to the next condition or the next symptom 
Uh, and that's what's that's what's happened. I mean, you know, we see it over and over and over again. It's first it's first it's uh, either Lipitor, and then after that it's metformin, and then it's a blood pressure med. It's an a, it's called an ACE or an ARB. Uh, you know, and and then after that it's it may be a beta blocker, and then after that maybe it's a calcium channel blocker. And now your joints are aching. Now you need ibuprofen. The average. 75-year-old person will be taking upwards of 10 prescriptions in our current healthcare system. I don't get the feeling from my physicians that they're focusing on this. Uh, they're not. I mean, it, you know, as you know, um, Dr. Downs, I, I have been writing about drug-induced nutrient depletion now for 25 years. I've written three databases on it. I'm on my fourth database of writing about it. And these are all studies that are done because it's not mandatory to report the depletion of a nutrient. Now, let's give you a good example. Proton pump inhibitors were allowed on the market and nobody was said, said anything about the fact they depleted vitamin D until bone loss showed up as a risk factor. Then, after five years, post-surveillance, oh, you know this depletes vitamin D and that leads to bone loss and people have fractures, heightened risk of fracture. So I think that as a part of studying drugs, the kinetics of the drug should also see what essential nutrients, how they're being affected in our body, and it should be a mandatory part of the drug discovery process. It only makes I sense. I agree. I agree. Because these are essential nutrients. They're what our body's supposed to have. So, yes, the doc, enough docs are not focusing on this. You're correct. So, uh, those in our audience, we have to be more proactive. Uh, we need to look up the drug depletion from the drugs. I'm sure Dr. Lavelle has some resources and some books on that. And we need to come in and, and you know, we need to be proactive to make sure we get our medical needs to uh, address. Now, as uh, now for the listener, uh, what labs, uh, what test markers should they request from their physicians? Since we help need to help the physicians along in this process. Well, I mean the 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 big. I mean, some big labs. Obviously, um, I like making sure we get a comprehensive metabolic panel. Uh, which which basically tells you about liver enzymes and kidney filtration uh, and electrolytes. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I like a, what's called a CBC or a complete blood count with a differential because I like to find out what does your immune system look like. And then, of course, you know, a advanced lip, you could call it an NMR lipo profile, which would be it's a lipid profile that looks at the size of your LDL cholesterol. And then... Um, I really like people to get a either a five-point urinary cortisol or a four-point salivary cortisol because I like people to map out their stress response during their day to figure out whether they've flattened that cortisol curve or if their diurnal pattern is still intact. Um, you know, I love it when people do their thyroid hormone panel, and it includes both total and free T4 and T3, in addition to looking for antibodies to their thyroid to make sure they're not attacking their thyroid. Um, and the and you know, obviously things like vitamin E and red blood cell magnesium. There's other things too. But if they could look up my book, Your Blood Never Lies, it goes through all of the lab tests and, 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 and tells you about you know, what each of the lab tests mean. And they can get that book at, you know, and all the major food, or food, all the major book uh, uh, sellers. So uh, your blood never lies. I just wrote that book in the last uh, year and a half. Yeah, and thyroid. The thyroid binding globulin is important because if it's all bound to its globulin, it's not very useful. And reverse T3. Unfortunately, Absolutely. most doctors just do a TSH, and the antibodies is huge. I mean, you have to ask your physicians for antibodies because that might be the first sign you're down this horrible autoimmune path and we do something. Now, you mentioned a five-point cortisol test. Can you explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, so what you do is you collect either urine or saliva. I like the five-point urinary. So you would collect your, your, your urine at five points during the day. And what it's doing is it's finding out how much cortisol you're producing. And so, you know, your body's supposed to make a lot of cortisol in the morning, and it's supposed to drop down through the afternoon and then really drop down at night. Um, and, and because it, 
at night, your melatonin is supposed to kick in, and you're supposed to be able to have a restful sleep. One of the big problems people have is they take on too much stress during the day. They make too much cortisol. Now, that's going to lead to things like insulin resistance and weight gain and low thyroid, but even a more simple thing, too much cortisol during the day means you're probably not going to sleep at night uh, because you have a wake brain and a sleep brain, and your wake brain takes on excitement. Your sleep brain wants to relax. Uh, and, and so a five-point urinary cortisol's goal is to, is to figure out how are you releasing cortisol? What have you trained your body to do over your lifetime? Most of us get caught in just producing too much. And, and, uh, and, and it's a common theme these days because we don't get enough sleep. We're living in a modern world. We have a primitive nervous system, uh, and there's a lot of stressors on that nervous system, and cortisol is the output, and adrenaline and noradrenaline are the three big outputs that occur when our body is under that kind of stress. So when cortisol is high, we usually wake up, and cortisol has an inverse relationship with melatonin. So when melatonin is high, we can sleep readily, and the cortisol is low. So these cycles throughout the day are very important. They're incredibly important, and I think diurnal patterning of all our hormones is going to be the wave of the future for us. We have to really get in and understand that you know we just don't have all these hormones running in us at full throttle all the time, that it's a symphony that's going on, that in the day we're up and at work and at night we're, we're meant to repair. And if we don't have the repair processes intact, it's going to accelerate our aging process and reduce the ability of our body to function at homeostasis. And as a side point to the listener, the blue light from our TVs, computers, and devices depletes melatonin. So if we insist on using these devices, as do I, uh, wearing yellow glasses at night to block the blue light can help uh, restore the keep, keep our melatonin so we can sleep a little better. Yeah, and you know, melatonin also dictates things like insulin for the next day. It's the circadian rhythm of insulin is dictated by melatonin. So it's interesting when you lose sleep, your blood sugars go up. And it's partly because, you know, your body needs more sugar to keep alert. But part of it is that the insulin signaling changes when we don't have enough melatonin. So the relationships between all these hormones and what goes on the following day, it's very important to recognize that. That's why the quantified self-movement needs to become the quantified health movement. Another test you mentioned was the advanced lipids test. I mean, cholesterol was uh, what doctors used to focus on, but now, as Dr. Houston mentioned, better tests assess how we're going down the path toward cardiovascular disease would be the size and number of the very small LDL particles because they get through and cause a lot of damage, as well as the endothelial dysfunction. So just a measure of cholesterol might give you some information, but it won't tell you about your risk toward cardiovascular disease. Absolutely not. I mean, there's, you know, I, I think there's as big a risk in understanding sympathetic and parasympathetic balance if you've lost your heart rate variability and you, you lose your vagal tone, meaning that your body's stuck in fight or flight, your blood vessels stay stiff, and that creates uh, tension uh, inside the artery. Uh, and so there's that neuronal component. There's obviously the immune component. There's the toxicity component. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to keeping your blood vessels pliable uh, because, after all, you know, the one thing's for sure, the better we keep our blood vessels, the healthier we're going to maintain our, our, our lives because it, it carries oxygen everywhere. Well, this could be a connection to the love and the spiritual that we touched upon in the beginning of the show because parasympathetic is when we're kind of relaxed, kicking back, watching TV, digesting, and, you know, you know we're probably healthier and our heart rate's healthier rather than being in flight or fright, which is a sympathetic. So maybe that could be the, uh, one of the ways leading to how love and spirituality can help in healing. I think there's more, though. There probably is a little more. <laughs> but but if anyway, you can start thinking about it, right? It can't hurt. Yeah. Anyway, we've got four minutes left, so I'd like you to summarize. I certainly want you to mention your two websites and how people can get a hold of you. And final takeaway points for our audience. Well, I mean, the first, uh, JimLaval.com. People can look me up and see what I'm doing. And then MetabolicCode.com is the uh, 
application that we developed that uh, really, and we've got you know a lot of uh, medical schools, healthcare professionals are are really taking notice of our of our platform. Uh, if I had to summarize anything, it's realize that your body today, who you are today, is really made up from all the decisions that either you made yourself or what the environment did to you from the time you were gestated to now and that your metabolism is reflected in your chemistry, it's reflected in the way you feel, it's reflected in your biometrics, you know, what's your heart rate like, what's your blood pressure like, are those vessels nice and pliable or not? Um, And then that you have an ability to change the direction of your health if it's going in the wrong direction because we can be pretty predictive on where you're heading based on looking a lot at a lot of these markers uh, that relate to your health. And so you can make a difference, but you've got to get on a program that targets what your individual needs are. Uh, I think it's, it, it, we all get guilty of jumping on a bandwagon. Oh, no, no, it's all about a ketogenic diet. It's all about this diet. It's all about the, the Hamptons diet. No, it's about the South Beach diet. The reality is, you know, we have to figure out why our chemistry is, has gotten shifted, why we've become insulin resistant. Is it stress? Is it environmental pollutants? What are the reasons? And then we have to begin to unwind the disruptors of our metabolism so that we can really begin to be healthy. And I, and I really encourage people, you know, reach for your health. You know, don't accept the way you feel today as kind of the 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 foretolding of what your future health will be. There's just so I just got a message from someone that uh, literally while I'm on the phone, uh, this was a, a uh, colon cancer case with Mets to the liver. He wasn't doing very well. We added diet and we added some other nutrition to him and, and really turned this gentleman around. His liver went from being hot and lit up to being you know normal. Uh, and his surgeons were able to go in and cut out kind of the old tissue. And the man, I just got the word, he's doing fantastic with the surgery. It's not just always one or the other. It's the sum of both. Modern medicine has a lot of good to offer, but so does natural therapeutics. And that blending the two really allows us to create a great integrative care program for individuals. Wow, you've got so much information. Uh, we probably probably love to have you back because you're just such a wealth of information how to get us on this healing path. So in summary, I would like to say, please do your own research. Contact Dr. Lavelle. Uh, look for a functional medicine practitioner. Uh, read what you can. Consult with your clinician, your physician. And so you can help yourselves and help others. So be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.